I have a lot to say about the show. All good things. I can't wait. I love this show. Trigger warning. This episode has mentions of sexual assault and rape, which some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everyone? Uh, I am Paymon. I'm going to say that again. That's how you say it. Paymon. Paymon. From Hereditary? Yeah. Paymon. Yeah. What's up, everybody? I am Paymon. You should say from Hereditary. From Hereditary. <laughs> I am the demon overlord. I am the possessor Paymon. <laughs> and I'm... The decapitated head of his sister. What was her name? Oh, God. And I'm Peter Graham from Hereditary. <laughs> I'm just looking at your little plushie, and the way your glasses are sitting, it looks like he's wearing the glasses upside down. He is. It's very cute. He has a hard time seeing, you know. Yes. This is Giggles. I Giggles. <laughs> I think Taylor You're named very him. very cute. Because obviously he's so happy. I love him. He's so cute. He's wearing your glasses. Yeah, he has trouble with his eyes. <laughs> so uh, what are we talking about today, Delbar? Talking about a wonderful autobiographical love story called Feel Good. Fe- starring, starring and written by, I think, mm-hmm. Mae Martin. Comedian. Yes. Canadian comedian, we apparently found out. His entire time, I thought she was American. I just, I can't wait for her to make me pregnant. <laughs> I'm just waiting peacefully. Um, I have a synopsis of Feel Good taken from The Guardian. Naturally. I think that's a fine source. I also have stuff from The Guardian. We all want to believe that we, you know, read The Guardian, but I read the Daily Mail like everybody else. <laughs> so. Okay. As said from The Guardian, Feel Good is a disarmingly autobiographical love story like how i said earlier it tells a story of a character named may struggling with relationships addiction identity and life on the comedy circuit may is attracted to men and women but to women more particularly women who identify as straight (laughs) same (laughs) Ooh, this first the first series focuses on may's relationship with georgina a teacher who had previously only slept with men and is reluctant to admit her super straight, super posh friends that she and May are living together. May is a mix of streetwise and naive, reckless, precocious, promiscuous, self-absorbed, and a bag of nerves. Not to mention Accurate. she has a s- crippling coke addiction. Fully. They didn't mention that here right away. <laughs> but And along with the stuff that the Guardian, you know, synopsis just mentioned there's other themes that get more brought up in the second season of grooming and um like sexual abuse and harassment in the entertainment industry confronting those feelings oof and ptsd thinking you don't have trauma i love it this is one of my favorite shows of all time i think what i love most about it is that even though the creator of the show is 
a Canadian person, because it is a Canadian person living like in London, it very much has like that British, you know, like self-effacing, um, self-effacing or self-deprecating, I guess is more the self-deprecating, like dry humor, like the really like flippant, mm-hmm. nonchalant, I like dry British humor. humor. Same. It feels like a flea bag. It feels like I, I may destroy say- you. It feels like those shows. Yeah. And it's I very smug. Yeah. I feel like British humor, like fuck the British, but their <laughs> their humor is just like so much more smart than American humor, I feel like. And it always has been. Yeah. It matches with their gloomy climate, I guess. I don't know. But <clears throat> every time I watch something like this, like Feel Good or Fleabag, it just hits the spot every time. It does. I love it. That's so true. I hold them all to a really high regard. Yeah. Did you know that Feel Good has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? I did. That's certified fresh, bitch. Why the- <laughs> Certified v- <laughs> fresh, with capital F. <laughs> I don't know why the viewer score is only 82%. I don't know what people don't like about it, but I mean, 82% is still good and everything, but it deserves Mm -hmm. that 100%. It is a like damn near perfect show. I love it. Do you want to talk about the characters? Sure. Right. I think we pretty much covered the basics of May and the synopsis. So I guess I can describe George a little more. Um, So the main, the main, Characters at the forefront are May, George, obviously mm-hmm. Georgina, the person that she, uh, she's in love with, um, Maggie, who is supposed to be May's advisor mm-hmm. in rehab. They become friends loosely. Linda, who's May's mom. Malcolm, who's May's dad, um, who's British. Mm-hmm. A lot of this takes place in England. Yeah. Another important figure is Scott, right? Scott yes. is the guy who um, assaults May way in the past yeah but they still somehow maintained a friendship did we know really about that until the second season like was it really at all yes it was brought up in the first season yeah it was it was so subtly hinted at but like if it had happened to you you would you would be able to tell i think right that makes Mm -hmm. sense but yeah. yeah george well her obviously her Real name is Georgina, but she goes by George. Um, Up until she meets May, kind of identifies as straight and makes this move on May at one of her stand-up shows. And the whole first season commences with this, like, first sexual encounter that they have. And then them, like, moving really quickly in a really stereotypical, like, women-loving-women fashion. Um but it goes a lot deeper than that because we're seeing like two bisexual people interacting and like one of them having most experience with women and another and George having more experience only having experiences with men and that sort of like fear may has throughout like the beginning of the relationship that at any point George is going to be too scared to be out to her family and Mm -hmm. friends. And she's just going to go back to a man and um they both just have a lot of personal issues um that they haven't necessarily dealt with yet that are leading to problems in the relationship and the toxicity of it all 
But um, you can tell the entire time, though, that they actually do, like, really love each other. And it seems like... They're toxic, but they're also not. Yeah, because especially in the second season, I think it becomes, like, more predominant that they don't necessarily feel uncomfortable with, like, sharing their, like, darkest thoughts with each other anymore. Like, I I feel like they definitely find, like, a confidant in the other more so than, like, anybody else in their life. And eventually they become, like, the most important person to each other, which I think is really nice. May has a really hard time being emotionally vulnerable. Mm -hmm. She would outright deny that she had any trauma at all, Mm -hmm. like, to the therapist, to the rehab coordinator or something. And be like, well, other people had really fucked up lives. I had a really, like, yeah. cushy life. Like, I didn't, I, I don't have any trauma. And then she would have these full-on panic attacks. And it didn't, it wasn't until the latter end of the second season that she finally sort of changed. Yeah. And, like, understood yeah. that she had this problem. And, and George sort of... Basically, by the end of the second season, they're com- they're both completely different people. Yeah. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come in and, like, step in, like, during the way, like, how Maggie was, um, May's, like, uh, a- not AA. Sponsor? The- yes. Was rehab sponsor? sponsor? Mm-hmm. People come in and, like, step into May's life and, like, give her advice here and there and, like, straight up doesn't listen to it at all and, like. Scott's always looming, literally looming yes. over May's head. He's unavoidable. He's in, He works in the same industry mm-hmm. as her. So they FaceTime and they talk. And a really big question is, like, why would you keep relationships with someone like that? Maybe yeah. it's because you are in denial, yeah. right, of all the trauma that you actually have. It definitely felt like a couple things between, like, May and Scott. For one, like, May apparently blacked out like all of her teenage years which is when this abuse from scott happened but i have no trauma head ass right you don't have any trauma because you can't remember it It, Mm. you blacked it out that's why you're still friends with right and i think the other part is that scott in some way shape or form always has some kind of power over may like even as adults he like runs the bar where she does her stand-up and is kind of like involved in her career and i think there's guilt involved about like him being the one that supported her when she was you know addicted to drugs and got kicked out of her house and like these kinds of things it's a lot of manipulation on his part to make it seem like what happened wasn't that bad and that i hated i hated when May finally confronted Scott and he just kept saying like, I fell in love with you. I loved you. And like, but he was saying it in a way that was like, like you owed me. He literally said, I thought I was owed a little relief because I was taking care of you. He did say that. Gross. 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 And yeah, like these are things that he incorporates into like regular conversation. God knows what he's like behind closed doors. And even then May's made like, you can tell it was a long way in the past. Mm-hmm. And May is 
super mask presenting. I'm pretty sure that like when they lived together, she never actually liked him mm-hmm. and like has just been, she's totally different, understands a little more about herself now, but that's only on the surface level. Yeah. That's kind of like how you know that sexual orientation or at least discovering your sexual orientation will never be your full and complete identity. No. Right. Right. Like you can still make strides that way. And, like, leave, like, a lover in the past mm-hmm. and realize it's not really for you. Like, yeah. Scott was not a lover. But you know what I yes. mean. <laughs> um, He was very far from a lover. Yes. But for you to make all that, for you to pave the way for yourself in that way, like, when it comes to sexuality and, like, feeling queer and rep- presenting as queer, you can still have so many, like, skeletons in the closet. Yeah. And, like, that that's where your heart actually needs to be healed. Yeah. Like. And that was really made, like, evident through May's relationship with George. Because, like, Mm. May was confident in her sexuality with George for the most part. George was the one that was, like, sort of questioning and going through, like, coming out. But excuses. Yeah. And yet May's personal issues were still getting in the way and creating, like, a toxic relationship not on her own like they both did it but you know like there were still issues that may wasn't dealing with apart from her sexuality that were causing problems and i think that their relationship wasn't really going to work until both of them you know as cliche as it is admitted that they had a problem and actually like took steps to be better for themselves so that they could be in a healthier relationship. And a big part of that was May confronting and dealing with the whole Scott situation. Their love, uh, their relationship grew so much in the way that we, that I kind of hope. What's her name? Rue? Rue's relationship grows with Jules and Euphoria. Like how Rue's also um, an addict who, went into rehab and has struggled finding replacements for her drug Mm -hmm. and like kind of wanted to make Jules her drug or treated Jules as her new addiction. Yeah. And sometimes May treated George like her new addiction, like wanted to do everything together. Let Mm -hmm. me be sexy to you. And May kind of saw May kind of treated George also as like, um, like a replacement addiction. Like she always wanted to be like sexy to her, like basically like pleading in her actions. Like, don't leave me, don't leave me, you know? And, like, wanting to spend every waking moment with her at a certain point in time, which is really cool how we move past that and how there was a before and after to that itself. In Euphoria, it's still, not to compare a whole bunch, but you know what I mean. But there's also, like, the similarity in that any time there's some kind of rift in the relationship, there's, like, the threat of relapse. And their first instinct is to go back to their drug To the drug. Because... The drug that they were using to replace that that's just how you know that like they were using it as a replacement because they r- would relapse you made the person your new drug yes yeah. exactly and then every any moment that you felt even just the slightest subconscious rejection from them mm-hmm. or even if it was like self-imposed self-projected yeah. rejection you'd like run back to the drug that never failed you right and sometimes i feel like ruse like that too um so yeah i hope that like rue has the same sort of character arc it would be yeah. really cool and i understand like it was really frustrating especially in the first season like with george because 
although like May's feelings and like May's uh, actions aren't George's responsibility, it was still like really sad to like see George constantly like trying to hide May from like her family and then when and her friends. And then when she finally did bring May around, you know, her circle, she was never like in her corner. She always made May feel like the other in this situation. Too happy a season. Oh my God. Um, but these yeah. are the queer tropes that we see so often in yeah. movies or shows like this. I think the difference in this one to Euphoria, I guess Euphoria is still going, but to Euphoria and Happiest Season and so many other mm-hmm. queer movies, especially like women loving women movies, is that this one gets they lay all the toxicity and the trauma out on the table, and then like it is. It is dealt with. Yeah. You see everybody in the life that it concerns, mm-hmm. parents, the assaulter themselves, the new the new love, the hookup on the side mm-hmm. that you, you tried to use to get over, whatever, yeah. whatever, um, the rehab coordinator, people who are hired to help you, all kinds of people. Yeah. It covers ev- it covers a whole trajectory in two, se- two seasons. And yeah. then by the end, it's like a reward. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a reward. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's like, oh god! Um, they're a completely different person. <laughs> they're better, but yeah, the development and like the resolution of these issues that are presented in the first season is the plot of the second season. Mm-hmm. Like we have sort of George having like this overwhelming like people pleasing thing that she's dealing with like she drops everything for may all the time and then like loses herself and like doesn't even know what she likes anymore because whole time may is like am i even masculine enough for you because you must only like men i'm gonna oh and like and then like the people pleasing just gets worse when George is around like the two opposing groups because she doesn't know. It's like she, she gets stuck between a rock and a hard place. And in this second season, when her and may are separated in the first couple episodes, you see her like exploring her sexuality a little more, you know, exploring if she's possibly Polly and she, um, she hooks up with Elliot for a while um who was like another queer person so she's still in a queer relationship and like she finds thing that she likes to do outside of may that like gives her life purpose again besides like just keeping may happy or whatever even though they were never making each other happy because it was toxic but it's like whatever they were they don't say that it's not like one or the other it's both yeah I, i i know what you mean i it came out wrong that's just but. my opinion. It's I'm not saying it's right. Maybe it was just toxic and everything was just projected elsewhere. But I thought they also had good times. I Genuinely. think they were like, even when they were toxic, they were sort of like the only people that they could be themselves around. I really liked how when May was with Elliot, he was sort of like this example of how even though he's like this queer, like woke man or whatever, who is open with his sexuality and respects women, he was still like mansplaining feminist 
theory to George and like what it means to be a woman and like how she should respect herself more. And George like just wanted to do things like sexually that she liked. And then she got shamed for it by this man who was mansplaining what being a feminist is to like back to her. And it's like, you're taking, and you're taking my autonomy away by saying that I'm not respecting myself because I'm into this. Right. And that's ultimately what brings her back to May because May doesn't shame her for things like that. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. I think another reason why I'm like drawn to the show so much is because, and I think it goes along with it being kind of like a British humor type of show is that it, Every time you watch shows like this, it just, it feels like you're watching a documentary or something. It feels like you're like a fly on the wall of somebody's real life. And I feel like Mae Martin wrote this so realistically and nothing ever felt cheesy or fake or contrived or anything like Like it. It felt like it, it felt like an autobiographical thing. And Mm -hmm. I really love that, especially like the way Mae talks like how she uses humor to mask, like which like mask her trauma, and the fact that like she's this stereotype of a comedian whose jokes revolve around their trauma and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the way she talks is just so hilarious. And it's like you couldn't just write that for somebody you're not connected to. Like she uses her own voice, like playing her own character, you know, playing herself. And I loved that. Cause she says the, she says the darndest things <laughs> like when she was talking to the doctor and she's like, can you run a test to see if I'm filled with birds? Like that's so accurate. <laughs> that's what it feels like, bro. Like <laughs> I loved that. I think funny, I think funny people or even just, or even professionally funny people, but just funny people mm-hmm. writing their own show is really cool because they always make it personal like pete davidson rami mm-hmm. sorry yusuf rami yusuf mm-hmm. why do i say it like that mm-hmm. anyway so people <laughs> like pete davidson and um rami yusuf and then may martin like you can tell that so much of the script is just them like telling a joke they've been sitting on for a little while because they <laughs> yeah. or like something that they really think is important to share yeah. It's funny. You can tell that it's written by a comedian. Mm-hmm. You can always tell. And sometimes that's like cringy and funny. But I really like it. I, I yeah. think it's really cool. It really, these are the kind of people that aren't scared to be super vulnerable. Cause like yeah. comedians, they very depersonalize. It's a whole situation. But like, they always make like a super fucking raw and real, like touching the trauma, hitting the trauma, the head type like shows. Um, so I always enjoy watching them yeah. because they get really real. And because they're funny people, they know how to immediately turn it around and make it yeah. funny. So I think fan. like I was just gonna say that like I feel like writing like self-insert characters or like even acting yourself goes wrong like a lot of the time, especially when it's like a man doing it. Cause I feel like cishet men when they do self-insert type characters and like autobiographical stuff it always feels like they're trying to live out a fantasy of some sort whereas like with may and with michaela cole and with phoebe waller bridge Mm -hmm. like it feels like they're trying 
they're using like this art form, this medium as a way to like resolve something inside themselves in a healthy way. It always just feels like they're. This is how they express themselves. This is their form of art. So maybe this is, this is all very healing to them. That's cool. Yeah. And it, it's, it was healing to the audience. Like I really loved the, I don't, I miss, was the season two, like a series finale. Is there going to be a third season or was that like it? It kind of felt like it was going to be it. I think that's it. Although I'm not sure. Let me. Well, either way, the season two finale was just so deeply satisfying to me. And that's like really important to me as somebody who consumes a lot of television. Like, I love a good satisfying ending as much as the next person. And like, it felt so good to hear May say, I don't think I need you anymore, but I still want you. And do you want me? health oh and just because she finally like confronted scott and she wasn't using george as like you know her therapist anymore she finally confronted so good the thing if someone said that to me i'm pregnant that's (laughs) just so good yeah oh it was perfect i and then immediately plays motion sickness by phoebe bridgers that wrecked me that was so that was like almost sickly accurate i hated it because it like tied back to May like having really conflicting feelings about Scott. And I think like it's a really common experience for people who are really close to their abusers to like have a hard time like letting go of the love for them even though you don't like them anymore. Yeah. And like the first lyric is I hate you for what you did and I miss you like a little kid. And <laughs> like it could not be more on the nose. Uh, that's enough. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Um, in terms... Something I didn't notice until, like, I was, like, looking up stuff today um, was this, like, running joke about May stealing her mom's ornamental pears. What? Ornamental pears? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, it's brought up so many times, like, her mom just casually drops that oh, May stole my really expensive ornamental pears. And May being like, I never touched those fucking pears. Like, I don't know what she's talking about. And it's brought up over and over again. And Uh. it keeps getting questioned. And then lo and behold, for some reason, the box is like found buried in the ground. Yeah, And it's like, these pears, like these missing pears sort of like, to me, resemble like the trust loss between May and her parents. And then when the pears are finally like, brought back and like found that's when everything's resolving and may is like confronting her things and it's like she's finally mm-hmm. in a place to rebuild her relationship with her parents for real this time it's because she dug up for her feelings and she dug up her drama and yes. she dug up the pears because the pears <laughs> the tr- now your parents can pears. trust you yeah. that's a perfect example of symbolism in this that's so good yeah i really i love tangible shit like that she found her pears yeah she did i hope we all find our pears yeah pears were in our hearts all along (laughs) i'm actually not sure where this all i know is that so far in terms of recognition all that i know is that the writer may martin um this show did not get renewed but she is working on something new I know. Instead I, of renewing, I read somewhere that like it was originally playing on like some like a Channel Four or something 
in the UK, which I imagine is like some big network channel or something. And after season one, it didn't get renewed, but Netflix picked it up for season two or something oh, okay. like that. Very yeah. nice. So yeah, it, it, it will stop at two seasons then, yeah? I think so. It yeah. felt like an ending. I guess one one note for reception is is that it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a big deal. That's reception. Yeah. That's a big deal. Actually, like... Um, hold on. It's only it it only came out in 2020, so maybe I'm not gonna yeah, I don't know. That. It's too long. I don't think there are any many more awards. One of the like biggest things I saw like among the reviews because I read like probably like a page of the reviews is how like Feel Good was like this study on empathy and how like throughout the entire thing, all of these like especially May's addiction was like dealt with with empathy. And it wasn't, like, to make her out to be, like, a villain because of her addiction. Which I think, like, not to keep comparing it to Euphoria, but I think they kind of make Rue out to be a villain sometimes with her addiction. And I liked that with this, it was just sort of a person who is still in the midst of making a lot of big mistakes but you see like the PTSD through it all. And like, you see how May is struggling with the mistakes that she's making. And it like helps the audience, you know, not be mad at the characters for, you still get frustrated with them. Sure. But like you are meant to like, see everything with empathy with this show. And I really love that. Yeah. Like May's an asshole, but you're literally yeah. I literally I am May. We are all May a little bit in our hearts. I remember when we watched the first season, like we kept saying, like I know I kept saying a lot, like I get where they're both coming from. Like every time they would get into an argument or they would break up for the umpteenth time, every I could see where both of them were coming from all the time. I could see what was causing them to like have these reactions like what in their past was like leading them to make these bad decisions like it really added like complexity to like modern you know like even modern issues that we have like it made sure you had the context right for like heavy issues i guess so all that being said what would you say is like your favorite scene or quote or just part in general about the show? I especially love the part where um, May is egging. <laughs> She's technically on FaceTime with Scott at the same time, but they're having a cool conversation. Um, I don't know. I forgot what she's egging. Who walks Who? out? Somebody walks out as she's egging it. Isn't it the bar? She's egging the same bar that she used to do stand up I at. I think so. Okay, <laughs> I that think makes so. Up. That makes sense. But um, I really love that scene. I like the com. I like that she was able to. Hmm. It's not something we need to normalize, but it's interesting seeing on screen somebody having a even. And honestly, friendly conversation with their abuser. Yeah. Because um, it's common. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, like, 
They're like fully having like a nice, enjoyable conversation as she's egging this this fucking house. They talk like best friends, pretty consistently. Yeah. That's this is something F F Scott Fitzgerald said one time was that um start finally beginning to see people as both good and bad, but not even both. Mm-hmm. Sorry, forgive me. <laughs> he said seeing people for good and bad things that they've done like a checkerboard rather than like you know black and uh, white yeah a checkerboard of that instead of gray i'm highly paraphrasing that's where intelligence lies that's what he yeah. said so maybe the i think it was just one of those moments where like may really built up her emotional intelligence but she was also acting like a kid it was really yeah. cool i don't know it just really stuck out to me I remember, like, watching that confrontation in the bar where, like, May lays it all out and she's like, oh, there's there's a word for sleeping with young girls. They're, you know, they're children. Yes, that was good. That was a good quote. I don't have a favorite quote. But directly after that, she, like, hugs him and tells him she loves him and he's like, oh, what can I do? And, like, before she could say it, I was like, oh, I never want to see you again. She better yeah. say, I never want to see you again. You and literally said, said it out loud <laughs> right before, oh. seconds before she did. There's nothing so more satisfying than, like, the character actually for once doing what the audience, like, wants them to do. That's why this show is so fucking Fuck. good. She does everything that you... I don't know. She does yeah. it right. She just does it right. Yeah. I love it. I also loved how, like, season two... I think it's definitely... Um, touched on in the first season but season two like really touches on like may possibly being non-binary and i think like a really common conversation that's happening like nowadays is how like non-binary is becoming like a third gender instead of like what its original intention was supposed to be was not just removing the binary yes and um like, we have people just assuming May is trans because she presents as androgynous. But at the same time, May is also having, like, questioning her gender. And um, is she trans? Is she not trans? How does she identify? She doesn't identify as a lady, but she still is using she, her pronouns. And it's like, I really appreciated like the like authenticity of like the story they were telling around her questioning her gender. I really liked that. Me too. That was really good. Yeah. They touched on a lot of like so much of queer culture just out in the open and the way that I feel like it hasn't really been before. Yeah. All the insecurities, all the new (sighs) developments. Somebody mentioned too about how like sex positive it is for like, Mm-hmm. A woman-loving woman relationship. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. really cool. They had, like, a whole role-playing montage, and mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, icky and it was sexualized. So it was just cute. It made you love them. Yeah. How could you not love them? Wow, go watch the show. You're yeah. fake if you don't. I think my favorite quote was after May said, like, I can't handle it. I can't handle, like, my life. I can't handle, like, how much I love you and, like... It, it, like, hit her, like, everything that had been going on. And George said, you can barely handle it, but there is a difference. You are handling it every day. And that is just... That's so good! I think everybody needs to hear that I sometimes. think about that a lot. Yeah. Because you are handling it. 
And I really love that. That was the perfect, perfect thing to say. <laughs> yes, that's so good. That was a big change for George. I feel like in the first season, George like stumbled over what she was supposed to say a lot and ended up hurting May in the process because she was really confused about what the right thing is to say all the time. And I feel like in the second season, like she effortlessly said the right thing because they had like a deeper understanding of each other. The barrier between them was sort of broken down. Yeah. I love it. I really loved it. Oh, I do want more. Even it's though, comfort show. <laughs> even though it was extremely satisfying, I would love to see more of them. I don't think I would. I think this is a good drop off. I like them. I think I think I'm fully satisfied with that. That was such yeah. a good ending. Everybody's yeah. in a happy place. I was like surprised no. that the whole rehab thing in the first episode only lasted that episode. I like. They tricked me. I was like, oh, she, she's going to be here for at least a week. And she, she left the same day. And with Scott, of all people. I had a favorite scene, but not a favorite quote. You had a favorite quote. In, should we rate it? Two and one. How many lines of coke in the bathroom? Out of <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. How many... Great British pounds <laughs> out of 10. How many Save the Bees signs out of 10? I love that. Would you give this movie in terms of likeness? 10 out of 10. Straight up, 10 out of 10. Rotten Tomato says No so. hesitation, y'all. Yeah, literally, <laughs> Rotten Tomato said it already. Yeah. Tomato meter off the charts. Yeah. Playing on a flaw. That's a 14 out of 10. Yeah. Straight 14 out of 10. Wonderful. That's good. Yeah. That's wow, good. it's so nice getting like a sprinkle of representation. Wow. Yes. Fuck yes. So What's I it called? Saeed Family Reunion? Saeed Family game, uh, Christmas Game Night. Xmas Game Night. So I think that's what okay. we're going to be covering for our December Christmas episode. That's crazy. Yeah, that'd be really cool. We haven't watched it yet, but anything's better. Better? Better. Than uh, happiest season, so it's a short movie. See. Oh, word! That's cool. Cool, cool, cool. That's so yeah. exciting. Okay, I think it's gonna be good. Said family so. Christmas game night. Yes. Um, I also wanted to say because this episode is technically coming out on Thanksgiving, um, I wanted to remind everybody that if you go to bycounspodcast.com slash resources, there's stuff there to help Indigenous and First Nations people. There literally is, isn't there? Yes. So um, maybe for Thanksgiving, uh, donate to some land back organization or just, you know, find out whose land you're on. Indigenous People's Day is the day after Thanksgiving. So tomorrow after this comes out is Indigenous People's Day. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving? No, no, no. I mean, when this comes out (laughs) tomorrow, it'll be Indigenous People's Day. And I think this month is indigenous heritage month also or native american heritage month that makes sense so yes please take a look and um we'll see you next time with saeed family xmas game night adios adios
Thank you for listening to the Vicons podcast. Music by DaVinci underscore Beats. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. It helps us a lot. To keep up with new episodes, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Vicons Podcast and Twitter at Vicons Pod. See you next time.